This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. This is Brightside Home Theater. Hey, home theater nerds, welcome to the Brightside Home Theater Podcast, the home theater podcast that's all about the experiences, the sights, the sounds, the scenes. Uh, normally, I'm joined by John. I'm getting used to that, really enjoying it. Uh, this is a Takeover Tuesday podcast where I'm just going to be uh, winging it because of scheduling issues. Life took over and lots of stuff going on this weekend. I wasn't able to actually get hooked up with any of the guests that I have lined up. So I figured I'd do this. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. I'm streaming this live to the green room. Uh, so any questions, comments to anybody there, got a few people already going here, Dan and uh, the speakers boys, Danny speakers and Johnny speakers are already here. Um, got a topic I'm going to start off with, but any questions or comments from the green room, we'll talk about that until about five o'clock when I got to take off. So this is a fun way. I thought it would be fun to start this way and maybe we could do this live someday on YouTube, just actually put it out to the world, but I'm not ready for that yet. So um, I'm putting it up to my green room members here to, to really test me, try to grill me and throw me for a loop or something or whatever, because you know, that's what happens when you go out into the public. So home theater wise, let's see what, see what you can bring. Um, so yeah. And also, um, a warning to everybody. There may be a break because I'm expecting an important phone call. So I may have to take a phone call. Uh, that won't actually show up in the live footage, or I'm sorry, that'll show up in the live footage. It won't show up in the podcast. I will edit that out. But uh, uh, everybody in the green room watching along, thanks for uh, your patience on if that actually does happen. So, all right, let's get to it. Uh, first up, uh, first one in the green room was um, Danny Speakers. So, and he's the big um, proponent of Plex, and I'm not an opponent of it at all, but we've had this discussion in the green room that it's, you know, um, a little bit daunting for people at times. Uh, and sometimes that can be a non-starter. Like if you just don't feel like it, it just looks like too much of a task to take on. So you just don't even start doing it because of all of the, you know, hurdles that you may have to overcome. And that does, doesn't appeal to you. Uh, I am one of those people. I looked at it for years and years and years, looking back and thinking this is the the entry to get a Kaleidoscape type system. And uh, it, everything I heard, uh, Dan said he's had his for like 10 years. And it, it it 10 years ago, it was more daunting than it is now, I have to imagine, because what I looked at back then, it was, there's a lot of things to it. So I've always just been like, it wasn't it. And then I heard about Zapiti. Through this podcast, a few of my listeners had it. It looked like it answered a few of the hurdles that Plex had. So I dove in and it was partly because of the podcast that I was like, I'll dive in and do this. And there were some hurdles to that. And from everything I've heard from people that have experienced both, Zapiti is a little bit of a smoother road, few less hurdles. 
but still that was difficult to me. And that's where I come at it. So, um, that was difficult to me, but it was fun. And I did it because of the podcast, because of the support that I got from listeners that had a Zipedi that were able to help me out. So it was, you know, it made curating my collection fun and a little bit easier. Um, but I understand, I see why people wouldn't do it because like my buddy Steve says all the time, he goes, it's still pretty easy just to put the disc in. And that's where it gets to like, really, do I want to go through all of that hassle and learn learning curve when my men go, my end goal is to watch movies in my theater. So when you have that mindset, like a Steve George, it's easy for you to say, I don't want to do that. I just want to sit down and watch the movies and I'll just put the disc in when I need to do it. So I get that. But what sparked this conversation was it was a M hater in the, in the green room said, I've been using Plex for about eight to 10 years. And I think it does a great job. There is a learning curve, but in the end, it's great for the DIY crowd. Over the years, I've come to find out for me, the best setup is a Plex server running on a separate PC and an NVIDIA shield. Ripping movies isn't difficult once you get a workflow down. A lot can be learned from YouTube and Plex's website. 4K Blu-rays require some special hardware to rip it, but it can be done. The NVIDIA Shield is a must if you want to play lossless audio. So I, I replied to that in the green room saying it's a great synopsis of the integration of a Plex system into a home theater ecosystem. Because I, I, really, I think that summarizes it all for everybody. And if you're interested in it, you won't be upset about the, the hurdles. And just on this phrase alone is where... People like, like Dan or people that are used to this system, they hear this or they see this and they go, it's easy. It's not that bad, but that's easy for you. For, for people like myself, ripping movies isn't difficult once you get a workflow down. I'm not kidding you. Two years ago, I didn't even know what the term workflow meant. That's not in my jargon. It's not in my... Uh, you know, vernacular for, for my everyday life. It is something that I utilize. And once I learned it through watching YouTube videos like this, once I learned that I'm like, oh, okay. I have a workflow at work with the way I, I, I position all my tools, the way I do everything. That's my workflow. I learned that through technology and that's, it's a term that they use. But when you see stuff like this, you're like, if you're not used to stuff like that, you're used to just sitting down and watching a movie and you're like a work, I got to get a workflow down. What's a workflow. And you're, you might be laughing at me and that's fine. Laugh at me. I get it. I'm laughing at myself too. It seems like a common sense word, but for a lot of people, it's not. And when you're in home theater, if you're, even if you've built your own system, you, your own home theater, that might not be something, the tech part might not be as easy for you to say understand so it's not that you can't it's just like what is your willingness to to deep dive what is your willingness to get into this and then he mark also goes on to say a lot can be learned from youtube and plex websites okay that very easy summary what do i need to learn now and that for the for the uninitiated you're like well what do i need to learn and then he goes on to say 4k blu-ray Blu-rays require some special hardware to rip. 
okay, what hardware? Well, I got to Google that. I got to look that up. I got to find out. To people that are initiated, the people that love this stuff, it's very daunting. It's like, I, where do I look? How do I look it up? What am I looking for? Make MKV. For, that's a common terminology for people in the know. But if you're not, you're like, what is it? It's all foreign to you. And that's that's why it can be so daunting to people. Um, once you learn it, it is. It's like even Plex to me now, knowing what I know about Zipedi and how, you know, it's kind of the compatibility between the two. I, but I'd still need to go get uh, um, NVIDIA Shield to be able to get everything lossless. Because I can play my, I have my entire collection, hundreds of movies saved onto a NAS, which I didn't know what that was, or I didn't know what one was, but I didn't know how to integrate that into my system. One of the things I learned while exploring this was what I can use a NAS for. Now it's like, I can't live without one because I use it for all my podcasting stuff. All of this stuff that I do podcasting goes onto my NAS. I learned that because of home theater. I learned that because of trying to get a Kaleidoscape like system into my ecosystem, my home theater ecosystem. So that overall experience of like deep diving, I it, it's invaluable. I learned so much and it's advanced just this home theater podcast because of it. So I, I, I get the benefit of it, but I also understand the other side where people are like, that's a lot. It's, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of um, time and all of that takes away from actually watching movies. Like I came home today. I have two hours right now before I have to get back out because I have a mass hockey meeting for, for hockey. So I have to drive back into Boston for this meeting. This is, I'm sitting down doing this because I love home theater but this has taken time away from me actually sitting down in my theater. I could finish Enola Holmes for tomorrow's podcast today, but I'm doing this. So it, it's, what is the compromise for you? Do you want to watch movies and just continue to do that? Or do you want to deep dive into Plex? And then you're, you're going to take a step back for a little while. You're going to learn how to use Plex. You're going to learn how to integrate it into your system but then once you get it, it is a step forward. And this is where I agree with Dan. Once you get it and understand it, you're going to be able to access your movies faster and easier. So instead of having to get up and get into your, get up and put in a new disc every time you want to watch something else, you're going to be able to swip slide away with your remote and just pull up different movies at a whim. And that that's a beautiful thing, especially for somebody like myself where I, I just love absorbing as much content as I can and jumping through whatever, you know, whatever fancies me. I know Steve's not here right now, but whatever fancies me at the moment. And I'll be like in the middle of something and be like, I, I can't wait to see that actor in this, like watching Enola Holmes. I got to get it done for the show, but I'm like, Oh man, Henry Cavill. I would love to joke. Oh, I'll go back into, you know, man of steel. That would be so cool. And I would do that. I could do that. But I'm like, got to concentrate, got to sit and watch Enola Holmes. So I need to get that done. I'm really enjoying it. It's not like, but I'm just saying that's how my mind works. If your mind works like that, Plex, Zipedi, those are great alternatives. Both can be done for far cheaper than a, um, a than a Kaleidoscape. 
Um, and the Zapiti, one of the things I taught John, here's another hurdle that a lot of people don't understand. John and I just talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So I, I got my Synology, but I started out, I bought a single 16 terabyte hard drive, put it into my Zapiti, right? When that got filled up, I bought another one because I had a spot for it. Filled that up. Now I have two hard drives filled with movies. Well, I got a Synology. I'm like, I'm going to put, put everything in there and set up a RAID system. Problem is, I didn't know this when I started, that when you start a RAID system, you have to erase the hard drives. You have to format all the hard drives for just that. So what ends up happening is I have 32 terabytes of movies that I would have to delete. That's not a good thing because now you're like, if I just put them in and said, run a RAID system, added two more, or I could add one more hard drive and create a three, a, a, a RAID, whatever system it is. But I have, so in my Synology right now, I have five 16 terabyte hard drives in there and I'm running that's it's, it's now full, but it's utilizing the space on four. So at any time, if a hard drive fails, I can pull any one of them out and replace it and not lose a thing. And that's how that works. But you always have to have one that's going to be blank in that, that system. I'm sure Dan's sitting here going, yeah, exactly. I know what, you know, Dan, uh, Joe, my IT guy, he's the one to help set me up with it. That's common sense to people. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that's how it's set up. So what I ended up costing me is I had to buy, now I had already two hard drives in the system. I had to save those, buy three more and set up my RAID system and then copy those three hard drives over to the two that are in there. I mean, I'm sorry, the two hard drives I have in the Zapiti, I had to copy them over the entire hard drives. All 32 terabytes had to be copied into the new RAID system. Now, if I wanted to, I could delete those hard drives, but I didn't. I just saved them as backups. I could probably delete them now because it's been like almost a year. But you see, this is a hurdle. Those, those aren't cheap. And when I started out, I bought top of the line. I was buying $500 hard drives. Joe, my IT guy, he helped me out and he's like, don't do that. You don't need them. It's marketing. Just get the 300. You will never notice a difference. They'll work just fine, get the $300 ones. But even still, that's $600 that I had to buy. Actually, it was 900 because I needed three of them to have a RAID system that would hold the two hard drives that I already owned. So that's a hiccup. That's a learning curve. It's kind of expensive, you know? So that's stuff that has to be done, but it's, you know, if you knew that going in, and that's what I told John, and he was like, you know, like pulling on the brakes, like, oh, I'm like, if you're going to set up a Synology, you've, you should do it right away. And I learned that, but a lot of people don't, they want to do it my way because it's cheaper. I buy the Zipidi, I buy the hard drive, I put it in, you're off and running, you're ready to go. But if your collection's going to grow, like I knew mine was, it would have been smarter, but yet more expensive. That's a lot more money out of the gate. At that point, if I, if that money out of the gate, I'm getting close to, at the time, the entry level of the Kaleidoscape because the Zapiti, the the Synology, the hard drives, all of this, you're still not at the entry level to be fair, but you're a few thousand away. That's where you get to the point like, oh man, if I get, you know, I'm, I'm why not just wait and get that? I don't know, you know, but now they don't even have that, but I wanted to do that system. 
And I knew uh, the way I was doing it was cheaper. It was $1,000 for the Zipidi. Um, I ended up selling my Opal for that. So that was, I actually made a little bit, bought a hard drive with that money. So I got a Zipidi and a hard drive for the price that I got my Opal for. And then uh, the Synology was like 700 bucks. So that's 700 out of pocket. And then I had to buy three more hard drives. So it, it adds up. And and all the while, I'm not, I haven't even gotten into the trials and tribulations and headaches of like the learning curve. And that's what the easier is a PD that runs everything with Plex. I imagine it's, it's pretty much probably the same with the addition of like an NVIDIA shield. And now there are different programs that won't run on certain things. It's not as it's it, the, the thing that the Zipidi does is the Zipidi takes any file, any video file, and it'll play it. You could take anything and put it through this thing and it'll play it lossless. It'll play whatever it has. It will play it. Um, so I know Plex has some hiccups with stuff like that. So let's see what people are saying here. Uh, Dan uh, says, I agree that making MKVs are a giant pain, but you had to do it for the Zipidi. Yep. Uh, does uh, Dan says, does Plex support Dolby Atmos on Apple TVs? Um, Apple TV, yes, Plex can play Dolby Atmos as long as the streaming device is capable of processing and sending a Dolby At Atmos signal. And from everything I've heard right now, and most of my knowledge comes from where you guys get it, and that's Rob over at um, a um, AV Rant. And Rob is saying that right now the Apple TV does not. Uh, the only thing is the um, make uh, the NVIDIA Shield. Sorry, the NVIDIA Shield is the only one that will do lossless audio, Atmos, DTSX, whatever you want to give it. It will that will send that out to your receiver. Um, Dan also goes on to say, for instance, the Plex client devices such as Fire TV, NVIDIA Shield TV, or Apple TV must support the audio codecs. Uh, Dolby Audio is embedded into the Dolby Digital Plus or Dolby True HD, uh, and that was April 29th, 2022. Uh, let's see. What else? Anything else? Um, and that's, uh, yeah. So, again, a lot of that stuff is very, very, you know, if you want to go down that road, um, I think it's worth it, uh, but some people don't, and I understand that. Um, and that's where Dan and I had the little, not an argument, a little discussion, little joking discussion, because he finds it easy, but that's also the world that he lives in and he, he deals in it and stuff. So I, I understand that. Uh, so pretty cool, pretty cool stuff though. Um, if you John's, I know John's interested in it. Uh, he keeps dabbling back and forth and I know John and very, very well. And I keep telling him don't do it because I don't, he gets frustrated easy. Um, and he would tell you that I'm not making fun of him or anything like that. Um, he would tell you exactly that. So, uh, for somebody like that, if you get frustrated easy, it's, it can be expensive and then you're just going to get frustrated. So that's why I caution people. And I would much rather do that and caution people like John and have you tell me, no, I'm going to do it. Because if you just tell somebody how positive it is and how great something is, and I know this is the bright side, but the best way to look at the bright side of everything is to go into it thinking this might be difficult. And then if you find it easy, 
then that that's good on you. But if I told you it was really easy and at the end of the day, and then you found it super difficult, what are you going to think of my opinion? You know, and it's like, and I'm not picking on Dan at all. I think Dan's trying to be encouraging and he's trying to say, you know, you are smart enough to get it. And I, 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 that's the other thing. I don't think it's a, it's an intelligence thing. It's everybody's smart in a different way. And there are things that, you know, I get that maybe Dan wouldn't get and vice versa. So I, it's, I don't think it's an intelligence thing. It's just, it's, it's a literally, it, it's a desire thing. And it's like, how much do you want to power through? If it comes easy to you, it's really easy to, to power through. Um, but if it's very difficult and you just really are like, this isn't worth it, then that that's where it can get tough. Um, let's see. John chimes in with, I agree the startup as a non it guy is very trying. And, uh, yeah, John has a Zipidi and it, so he, he knows, and it is, it is trying, but it's, it, I would say, I know I don't need John to reply. I think he, he thinks it's worth it, but it, it is trying. It's not as simple. It don't go into it thinking you're just going to, it's like plug and play. All right. Off and running. I couldn't wait to get my first movie, which of course was star Wars. I, I ripped star wars i got everything up and running and i'm ready and i put the i put the hard drive in and I, I i accessed it and nothing and i think from the time i thought i was going to be watching a movie i i think it took me a couple of days to get it to play and it was me talking to zapiti it was me talking to uh joe my it guy it was me pulling my hair and it was like why isn't this playing how do i get it to find the correct folder I thought I had all the vernacular down and all like how it, it has to see the right path to be able to see the movies for the player to see the movies and flex as much of the same way. Um, and what, what's, you know, these maps, if you will, for a move for, a, for a computers, like, okay, see this folder from this folder. From, it's very easy for people that are used to that. But for somebody like myself, that wasn't at the time, but ha has learned a ton since, um, it's like, I see it now and it seems like common sense to me, but I know how I felt at that time. All right, let's try this. Has streaming changed your mindset as a collector, as it is not possible to own all the star Wars, Marvel content, Lord of the Rings, etc. So this is another fun topic that's in the green room that people have weighed in on. And, um, I'll put it out there on this takeover Tuesday to people. So if you like, how does everybody feel about streaming? Like now, do you think whatever you think about it, do you think like, I don't need physical media anymore. I can get everything there streaming. Or do you feel like this kind of stinks because I love to own everything physically, but then they hold stuff back. Like all the TV shows are being held back. All the Marvel TV shows, they aren't coming to physical. So What's wrong? Like, is it your mindset? Has your mindset changed? Because, and here's where I think it's super interesting. And it's like, this is really only a problem for the home theater fan that is like, that it has to be like the completionist. Like, I have to own everything in the exact same way. And I, I find that really fascinating, to be honest with you in home theater because home theater has never been that way. There, there has always been 
other ways of absorbing our content and go back to go back to the eighties. Um, when we watched stuff on cable TV and there was a lot of stuff there that we couldn't afford it on VHS because VHS tapes were like $80 a whack. It wasn't until later in the eighties when they became sponsored and they got cheaper and they, be, you know, they were priced to own at $20 and people started collecting there. But before that, we used to tape it off of cable shows. You'd take a cheap VHS blank cassette, put it in, find out when Star Wars was going to be on next and set your VCR. And now you had your Star Wars version. Then later on into the nineties, it was uh, laser discs. Those were 40 to $50 each. So there's, a, but then if that was the best quality at that time, but you could get it on VHS or you could just watch it on cable television. Cable television wasn't on demand. That on demand didn't start coming into play until probably the late nineties. Um, when DVRs came out and, um, dish, I had a DVR on my dish that there was a big battle then from that. And, oh man, my mind's going blank. Who did, who was the big one? They're still around today. And, um, the, oh, forget it. Uh, my mind's going blank. Somebody here in the chat can tell me. They, but they were the ones that you could take any TV and give it a DVR and you could back up live TV and all of that. So that became the, the, um, the catalyst that got us into on demand television. Cause then you could just record every show, come home and watch it, or you could come home and back it up or whatever. Um, it's getting close to um, the tip of my tongue. <laughs> I can't, I, I can't believe I can't remember it. I never owned one. I think they, they actually ended up partnering with dish, um, eventually, but, um, they did battle back and forth. TiVo. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> I knew it. I knew somebody would have it, but yeah, it was, um, yeah. TiVo had it. TiVo was the big one. Dish came out with it and then they, TiVo sued Dish and all of that. But that was the catalyst to, to on-demand television, which is what gets us to today where we don't go by schedules anymore. We just go, by. did you see it, see it at your leisure timing you know, being able to sit and watch a show without having to worry about, am I going to miss this? This is starting at eight o'clock tonight and I got to get there or like cheers is on at eight 30 or nine o'clock. And it's like, if you miss the first 10 minutes, good luck to you. You would have to pick it up in reruns over the summer, but there were multiple, multiple ways to take in all of our content. And that's, that's the overall point here. I don't think streaming has changed our mindset. I, I think what has happened is that we became, we became over the last probably 15, 20 years, we've became oversaturated with physical media where everything was available to us at one point or another because the, the companies were cashing in. It's like we were buying and they were selling. But what we're seeing now is I think they've seen the writing on the wall for a while that physical media is going away because it's just becoming too costly to produce these things as much as we want them. It just doesn't make financial sense to keep putting these things on discs because as I've talked about on the podcast before, we don't need to put stuff on discs anymore. We could do a flash drive. We could, we could put this thing out on a tiny little flash drive like this. I'm holding it up for an audio only podcast, but the people watching on the stream can see it, but a little tiny flash drive, 
that could have my entire Star Wars collection on it in lossless audio and video. You could have the whole thing sitting right there. Why are we still printing these archaic discs that get dirty, get scratched, whatever? Why not just put it out? You could still sell it in a box. You could do all of that. But they're not even doing that because they know it's it, the entire idea of a physical disc or a physical anything is already outdated because we have the streams. The majority of the content is streaming. Majority of the population, I mean, like 95% of the population doesn't care about physical media. When I did Rich Keefe's theater like a year ago, I told him he wasn't really into physical media. He's just getting into a home theater. He was one of those people that had a, a 65 inch television in his man cave that he, that's what his theater was. And then we added in the SVS speakers, a Denon receiver, and he was off and running and loving it. Why does he, why should he go to physical from here? The advantages of physical media over streaming on a 65 inch television are negligible. If you haven't heard the difference between the sound, why bother? Because you're only going to be adding on an extra cost. Get used to it. If you're not happy with it, that's when you would do an upgrade. If you think, if you start to think that you want to see what that improvement is, well, then you've got the bug of that part of home theater. Doesn't mean you're not a home theater fan. If you stream everything and watch it and enjoy it and you have a great system and you're, and you're getting the most out of every stream, out of every possible piece of content that you can get, you're, you're enjoying it. But if you're like me and you're like, hmm, over there, that, that sounds like that could be better. Let me try that. That's a different aspect of home theater. That's an aspect where you, you're like, I need to try that. And you want to get those 1% upgrades. You want to get those half a percent upgrades. And you're going to swear up and down that it's a bigger upgrade than it is. Whatever. That's what makes you happy. Knock yourself out. But don't think for a second that just streaming alone is bad. That's, that's great. But I don't think streaming changes our mindset. I think our mindsets have been adapting all along. But I think for the, for the completionist that wants to have everything physically, that's where you, yeah, it's tough because they are holding stuff back. But it's, isn't that kind of fun too? especially in a home theater, like you can't have everything, but it makes you want it. And isn't that how you keep the hobby alive as well? Because if everybody just went, eh, I don't care. That's the worst. You know, that's if everybody just didn't care about it. Oh, well, if you don't care, you don't care. You're not, you're not doing anything about it anyways. But the fact that we care so much is what drives the physical media. Right. It's like, we couldn't wait to get top gun. We couldn't top gun Maverick. We couldn't wait to get that. We can't wait to get where I'm Lord of the Rings. The, I'm sorry. Hopefully we're getting Lord of the Rings, rings of power. Hopefully we're getting that physically because we're starting to see signs. How much fun would that be? Imagine for a minute, you were the owner of Amazon or you were the owner of that product. And like, you hear people just wanting what you have. You haven't even put out an inkling that you're going to do anything about it, but just driving that conversation. I think that's part of why they do what they do. It's like, you know, you, it's that conversation, the conversations that we have on Twitter in the green room, people have it on Facebook of, Oh, I want this. I want that. 
we had a debate. It took like three days on how many Amazon shows have gone to 4K disc. And it was like, we came up with two. And then recently we got Jack Ryan. Woo, we're all excited for, I could, I bought them both on Kaleidoscape because that's where they ended up. I, I got them there. They're coming out in December. Now we're finding out we're getting more. And it's like, all right. And it's, I'm not even really, I can't remember what show it is that we're getting, but as soon as it came out, I was like another Amazon original coming out 4k disc. Come on, bring me rings of power. I can't wait. Can't wait for that. That would be a lot of, you know, and it's just, that's the fun that we have. Same with HBO, HBO max and doing, um, uh, uh the, uh, see, uh, Oh, house of the dragon. Got that on Kaleidoscape as well. Excellent, excellent rendering. Excellent picture. Excellent sound. So much fun. Such an upgrade. You go right to those fun scenes that everybody complained about when they streamed. They're like, oh, the dark scenes, I can't see anything. And it's like, that's what this is all about. That's the fun that we're getting. And it's like, I don't think streaming has changed our mindset. I think streaming has added to it. It's given us something else to, to talk about, to to enjoy and, and to a degree to complain because is there limitations to it for right now? Yes. I got to imagine in the near future, the limitations are, are going to go away. Everything else has changed. So, um, everything else is advanced. So hopefully, uh, we'll get, we'll get even better and better. And I would expect to anybody with a kaleidoscape that's worried that streaming is going to catch up. Well, as one thing advances, I think other things advance as well. And if you had a product and there was a competitor doing something that you needed to match or better, you're going to try to do that. And if you do it, you do it. So it's like that rising tides thing, right? Push the envelope. Just like when I, uh, a year ago when they came out with IMAX enhanced on Disney plus, I'm like, I love this. Not so much because of the IMAX enhanced on Disney plus, but because they're pushing the envelope. I can tell you, I don't prefer it. I don't go to the stream and watch the IMAX enhanced over what I can get on my physical disc because I, I prefer the physical disc. I prefer the clarity. I prefer the sound mix better. So I don't even use that, but I doesn't mean I can't appreciate what they've done and what they're doing and what they're doing for the general public to get the consciousness of what IMAX enhanced is. There's a, there's 95% of the population doesn't even know what IMAX enhanced is. We all know much like Plex. Most people don't know what it is. We know what it is and whether we want to get into it, but 95% of the population is like, what is, you know, IMAX enhanced. Why aren't we, what, how do I get it? Well, you're getting it. You're just getting the video version and what they consider IMAX enhanced on Disney plus is just variable aspect ratio or an IMAX enhanced, like in, uh, um, end game and, um, uh, the first one, <laughs> see my mind goes crazy. I can't remember anything, but yes. So they, those movies are completely IMAX enhanced all the way through. They're, the uh, 185, I believe. I do think they have the black bars at the top and the bottom. They're not complete 178. Uh, so that's what they consider IMAX enhanced, but it's a badging that got out there and people understand what it is. And, and who knows, maybe they got the bug and they wanted to add on, like there's more to it. If I get, if I get more to my system, like, like I said, like a rich Keith that 
I don't, he didn't do it because of IMAX enhanced. He's actually very knowledgeable in home theater. He was just ready to upgrade. But I know a lot of people that were looking to a lot of family and friends that were like, what is this thing? What else can I do? Well, you could add a system and you could add multiple sound bars. You can, I had, um, one family asked me about Sonos and adding sound bar, a sound bar with rear channels just because of what they were getting on Disney plus. So all of that stuff, it's like streaming might not have changed our minds. I, at least for me, it didn't. I, I do understand that there were people here and let me know what you think. Um, but there are people here that it did change their minds a little bit. But for me, I don't think streaming, all it did to me was it's just another medium for me to take in my content. And you can add that in with VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, uh, Blu-ray, 4K UHD, Kaleidoscape, uh, digital video. I mean, there's the list goes on and on cable TV, you know, and streaming is no different to me than any of any and all of those. So let's see. Dan says, uh, or John says recently finished game of Thrones waiting for physical to watch, uh, house of dragons. Uh, Dan says game of Thrones was one of the best series I've ever followed. I couldn't make it through house of the dragons for some reason. Uh, that's funny. I really enjoyed House of the Dragons. Um, I and I think I said it in the podcast at one point. I didn't pay attention one hundred percent because I was like to the story. That is, I was more concerned with absorbing as much of the sound effects as much of the picture and how they did with it. Because and I, I did take in the story. I understood it, but I wasn't like really trying to remember the names because I knew I was going to go back through this um, when it got its physical release, and it did. Um, I haven't started going back through it yet. I've done some uh, jump back and forth on some scenes to see how it plays, uh, and it it plays really well. The physical of House of the Dragon is really really nice. Um, Rings of Power. I really paid attention to the story. Love that story. Uh, that's one that I'm, I'm hoping I'm not sure we're getting a physical release. Um, every day that goes by, I think we are, it's getting closer and closer the way they keep dropping more 4k stuff. Um, but Dan, thank you for, thank you for chiming in. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, rings of power, through Amazon, I really think we're going to end up getting that. It it should be, it, and it should be really good. Um, I'm Jack Ryan in 4K was fantastic. Uh, great production value there. Great picture. Great sound. Um, it was better. It it was one of the few. One of the believe it or not, the people that listen to my podcast all the time know I listen at reference level. Uh, it was one of the few that I actually turned down a couple of times to minus five dB. It got really loud. It's in it, but it is dynamic. It's not just one of those loud over dynamic type things. Um, it was, it was really good. Uh, but there were some times when I was like, oh, wow, I just can't take this. I had to turn it back a little bit. So, uh, really looking forward to hopefully someday rings of power in a uh, 4k disc release. Uh, let's talk about that for a second. This isn't anywhere. I just, my mind just thought of it. Uh, anybody in the chat that wants to chime in dynamic sound versus loud sound. Um, and this, this can go in a lot of different directions as far as home theater goes, because 
a lot of people think that, you know, the louder, the better, and that is good, but it's not necessarily exactly what you're going for. It's when we talk about dynamic in, it's like talking about in picture dynamic would be going from black to white, uh, you know, all black to all white, your brightest brights to your darkest darks. Um, people can understand that. Um, but with sound, it's like, there's a lot of people that think that louder is like, just means better and it doesn't. And I'm looking at IMAX when I say that. So that to me is the best example that we've talked about here on the podcast and the difference between like a Dolby cinema sound mix and an IMAX sound mix and IMAX to me, when you go to an IMAX theater and this has been in my experience and I have heard I've had listeners tell me that they actually have really good Dolby mix. They have theaters. IMAX has theaters with Dolby sound in them. Uh, so that would be obviously the best of both worlds. I haven't experienced that myself. But the overall IMAX experience has been that giant picture with giant sound. And giant sound in an IMAX in theater has been like just everything is just turned up. So let's say reference level is zero or minus 85 dB. And there, that's, that would be like, that's your reference. So supposedly you can debate. Some people say 75, some people say 85. I think THX is 85 is what your average should be with peaks of like 105. But let's just go with, we'll just say like at, at zero dB, okay? That would be Dolby Cinema would be at zero IMAX will take something and they'll do like a minus 10, but I feel like they're raising everything up, but it's clipping off at the top. It just feels weird. like you're not getting those really quiet scenes that you should be getting when the sound drops and like you get a really quiet and then you get a nice boom or something. So what you want in your sound is you want to have some, you want to have some quiet scenes so that you can hear those birds chirping over on the left rear of your room. Or you want to hear somebody whisper and be like, I'm talking really soft like this in a movie, but you don't have to turn your volume up because you've left it there. Um, whereas what ends up happening in an IMAX room or something, if you got a mix that was way too loud and the average is way too loud, you're going to turn that down like I did with Jack Ryan. But then when you turned it down, you're going to get to a scene where they're whispering, but now you've turned it down so you really can't hear that so you end up mixing you end up having to turn that up but then you go back to the that's not a good mix that's not what you're looking for what you're looking for is that stabilization of having a nice standard of zero db minus 85 db zero being your reference and hey graham you made it nice to see you buddy or read from you um but you're having that reference level and watching or listening to everything there, it's like, that's, that's to me is where you, where you want to come in and be able, and it doesn't have to be zero, just always listen and watch at the same volume. And then you'll know the difference when you get to those scenes and every, you know, it'll drop down. And if you're always listening to everything at minus 10, for instance, you'll understand, you'll have a better understanding of that stuff. But then that also enables you to hear the difference between dynamic and just flat out loud. 
And there are some tracks that are just flat out loud out there. And the, uh, in the reverse of that, we get Ragnarok, which I feel like is flat out flat. And it's like, it's not loud, but you don't have those big booms that you wanted to get. You don't have the, it, it doesn't have that dynamicism. That's a word. <laughs> it doesn't have that. So you end up trying to turn it up and then you end up with what just is it, you know, it's just loud now. Um, loud versus dynamics taking a stream. I've done this on a lot of movies that come out. I get them on Kaleidoscape, but you're still streaming them. Top Gun Maverick, obviously the longest one. It was two months worth of time, but I'll try to tell people like, all right, I'll watch it here. I'll watch it on a physical disc or on Kaleidoscape and then say on a stream, if you turn it up minus to like plus six DB, you're going to get a close enough facsimile to the volume that you would get on the physical disc. But the problem is you're getting the volume. Everything's going up to that level. So you're getting that, those loud scenes are now going to be as loud as you heard on the physical disc, but everything came up. So you, it, it, it's not the same. You don't, you're losing the dynamics because your noise floor came up as well. So the quietest scenes, those all got louder. Whereas on the physical disc, that dynamics that you're getting, you're not compressing the sound into this one little group of, um, this one little bandwidth, and then just raising that up. What you're doing on, you know, physical is like you're expanding it. So the loud sounds are way up here and the quiet sounds are way down here and you're getting all of it. And you're, you, that's what makes that sound so much more dynamic. It allows you to play that, that say the dialogue at a louder volume because you have some headroom over it and you got some quiet below it. And you're able to do that when you compress everything into the middle, it makes it harder sometimes to hear that that dialogue because everything's come down to meet that. Um, there's a lot of things that you lose when you compress stuff like that. And that's obviously one of the limitations of streaming, but it's also one of the limitations of poor subwoofer management and bass management. Um, a lot of people like Lee Overstreet, listen, go back and listen to that AV rant when he got his subwoofers from SVS and uh, he was just trying them out. Um, they were going to do a demo and uh, I just recently tweeted out about it, but it, it, it was, it was so much fun to hear because Lee at, at the time, I knew Lee at the time. I respect Lee a lot. Uh, his knowledge of sound and movies and stuff and all, I mean, he's an audiophile and everything, but he swore for years that you don't need subwoofers because he had these two big towers that had big subwoofers in the side of it. And, um, yeah, I can <laughs> Graham Cole. <laughs> can you tell me what a great movie is? Yeah. We'll get to that in a minute. So Lee, <laughs> Lee had, um, those towers with those big subs in them. But the problem with that is, is they're not exactly located in the best place to get the best response. They're not set up for that. There's a lot of things that, that go into getting base management handled in your room. And basically what ended up happening and as long story short, you can go back and listen to the podcast, which I highly recommend if you haven't already, um, is he at the end, it's like when he first powered these things up, he was like, it felt quieter in his room. His dialogue felt clearer than he had felt in the past. 
he was like, wait a minute, why is my center channel better now? Because I added these subs. But then the interesting thing is he also thought he was getting less bass until a bass scene came up. And then he got that boom and he got that punch in the chest and he got that feeling that he wasn't getting before. So why does that happen? Because when you're running in, you know, when your subs are not calibrated to the room appropriately, and that, that includes placement, that includes a lot of things. When you're, you're just going to get loud bass and you're going to get loud bass everywhere in everything. You're going to hear it in stuff that it's just going to be, it's like a louder noise floor of bass. So it, it, it distorts what's going on in the room. And then you, but you think that's what that is because you're in your room and you're feeling some bass and it's really loud and you're loving it. And that's great. But then when you go back, when you find out what real bass is or what, you know, clean, clear bass is, it's going to take you back a little bit. You'll be like, this can't be right. And then all of a sudden you'll get that punch that, like I said, Lee Overstreet experienced. So in, in I've done the same thing. Um, I I've experienced that one myself. Uh, I liken that one to the experience I got when I first calibrated my, my first television. And this was back in the nineties. I did it myself. And I was told when I was taught, be like, you're not going to like it at first. It's going to feel dim because you're not watching it in vibrant mode or whatever, <laughs> whatever the TVs had back then. And it does, it takes some getting used to. So once you get used to that, now you're starting to see details and over time, viewing stuff like this, you're going to see details there that you didn't see before, but you don't, now you don't even know what those details are until you go to somebody else's house that has it on vibrant. And you're like, oh my God. And you see a piece of content that you know very well. And you'll be like, wow, that is all blown out. You're missing all of this to the point that all of my stuff has been calibrated to my liking. Like even my living room, I do it myself. I set my black levels. I set that. And when we go elsewhere, my wife and kids have been raised this way. They know what a good television is. So it, it's, and it's all from repetition. It's all from, that's just what you come to expect. But sometimes if you're used to a certain thing and you get it set properly and you find out, nah, I don't like it. It's, it's not bright enough for me. Well, yeah. Okay. But just understand that what you're used to is incorrect. And the same thing happens in, in sound and, and, in a lot of things. And it's nothing wrong with it. If that's what you like, just, just understand it. Um, just know that that's not what the correct intention is from the director or whatever. It's not supposed to be that bright in, in everything. Um, much like I've said, like NFL games, you look at them on TV and they look spectacular. You go there in real life and you're like, Oh, that grass isn't as green. Why can't they do that on the field? Because they're blowing that out to you to get you invigorated to get you to love watching this on television. Like, look at how great those colors look. Look at the metallic in those helmets. It's all there to just bring you and suck you in and, and make you enjoy it. When you go to the stadium, it's a completely different experience. You're not there for the sights, the sounds and the scenes. You're there for the crowd. You're there to enjoy it. You're there to have a few drinks and have some fun and cheer with your friends and have a good time. But the color of the field being vibrant, not really the thing. Cause probably by the end of the game, like my, buddies nothing's vibrant so um let's see graham uh <laughs> graham's like i have a great question <laughs> uh, he's like can you tell me what a great movie is 
And then he says, I'm totally joking. I'm just stirring up from a few episodes ago. Funny that whole household, funny that a whole household gets used to it. Yes, a whole household does get used to it. You get, you, I mean, you get used to anything in your house. Your family gets used to what you do. And whether they realize it or not, they've been educated. And uh, I love those conversations when people go on and you listen to pod, home theater podcasts and they all like AV ran HD guys. They all talk about like, so did you reset the TV in the hotel or the Airbnb or whatever? And we all do because it's just like, this is wrong. Um, but yeah, so let's get to the great question. Cause that's what I want. If you're in the chat, give me hard questions. Give me questions that are difficult. Um, because there, I, I've never, ever said anything I didn't mean. And it's especially when it comes to home theater, I have my reasons for everything. Um, and you might not like my answers, but those are my answers. And I stand by everything I say. Doesn't mean I'm always right, but I base my stuff on my own experiences. So, um, <laughs> but let's see. Uh, so Graham says, what, what makes a great, what is a great movie? And he's joking about, uh, if you haven't heard it on the podcast before, um, Steve George got a little upset with somebody on Twitter saying, and it was serial at midnight is it was, and I've since become friends with him and serial at midnight said, what is it like? Why do people get concerned? Uh, I'm paraphrasing here. So if he gets mad at me, he won't. He knows what I'm doing. Um, but if, if, why do people get infatuated with, and he didn't use the word infatuated, with the boxes or with the home theater experience, for instance, the sights, the sounds, the scenes, because a great movie is a great movie. And a bunch of people we're glommed onto that from the home theater side where we do, we put a lot of time, energy and money into our experience to enhance the experience of watching these movies and the discussion that we had, and you're more than happy to chime in was you know, email me or whatever, but the discussion was a great movie is a great movie. And they were saying, no, that's not true. And the home theater people, and it's like a great movie can be great because of the home theater experience. And I was like, yes, you're correct. And the one I always use is Lucy because Lucy isn't the best story in the world. I love Scarlett Johansson. I love Morgan Freeman, uh, but it's not the best story in the world. It's sci-fi. It's a little, you know, it's a little simplistic. It's, it's fun, but if you're just sitting there watching it on regular television in your living room or in a hotel room or on your laptop or your, or your telephone or your Apple iPhone or whatever, it's not going to be as engaging, but you take this and you throw this into a theater, into a good home theater and even a living room theater with, you know, a subwoofer and, you know, I'm talking, when I say a living room, I'm thinking not like John's, which is a full-blown theater in a living room. I'm thinking like a Sonos sound bar with a Sonos sub and two rear channels that you're going to be transported into that world of Lucy. It's, it's a way more dynamic movie. It is so much fun on a bigger screen. The bigger the screen, the better. The 4K, the picture, the way, the, when her mind goes into the synapses and all of the stuff that's going on, that's, so much going on in that movie. 
that it is a roller coaster ride that is completely enhanced by the experience of sitting in a theater. On the other hand, let's go with a movie on the other side, Schindler's List. Always use Schindler's List because what did they do in Schindler? What did Steven Spielberg do? He took the color out of that movie. This is a movie that's about the story. It's the story of, is it Arthur Schindler? I think Schindler that saving as many Jews as he possibly could. The entire movie, you can watch this on your phone. And at the end of that movie, if you're not sitting there with tears coming out of your eyes, as he's trying, as he's taking his watch off, as he's taking his jewelry off, he's sitting there trying to tell you, it's like, I could have saved one more. I could have done all this. That is, that's a great story. That's a great movie that moves you regardless of the medium. That's what a great movie is. You don't need that enhanced by color although they did add the color he added the one representation of color into that movie but you don't need a home theater you don't need a giant screen you don't need dolby atmos to tell that story you just that is a great movie well shot well fit you know the cinematography is amazing and you just you can get all of that on your iphone so that's what a great movie is I would never compare Lucy to Schindler's List, ever. I don't think anybody would. But do you see what Serial at Midnight is saying? Schindler's List is a great movie. It doesn't need any enhancement. What home theater fans are saying, I can raise the level of a movie with my home theater. Both are right. Both are abs, and that's why I found the tweet and the argument so funny is because both sides love movies. Both both sides are super passionate about movies, and both sides are right. But the thing is, is it's from their perspective. That's why they're right. It's it, you're not like a home theater. You're right. Lucy's great once you add in the home theater element to it. Schindler's List is a great movie. He's right. A great movie is a great movie. Doesn't need any of that stuff. Now, Serial at Midnight needs to understand that, like, there you can elevate a movie, and I, he does understand it. It was just a quick tweet. So there's a lot of play there, and uh, you, I, you really can't argue with it to me. And it's like, and and I've had people try to argue with me, and they make my point, <laughs> like. <clears throat> Because what they're saying is, is like, yeah, but Lucy's so much better with a home theater. Right. So you're making my point. Exactly. It's like, well, The Godfather is a great movie. It doesn't blah, 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 blah. I'm like, right. Yeah. So it's a great movie. It doesn't need a home theater. I don't, I don't get it. What are we arguing with? So it's it's a fun one. And, and again, nothing to be shy about. That's the fun that we have. And it's like, I love the perspective of serial at midnight i've learned a lot listening to his podcast as a matter of fact listen to he just started a podcast listen to his videos he's like a um a cinemaphile he loves the movies that are are like like jeff from hd report he really gets into the older movies like the casablancas they're all they're both looking forward to that in 4k um getting into like lawrence of arabia as john and i are going to be doing on friday 
Um, in Friday's podcast, we'll be talking Lawrence of Arabia. Um, but they get in, I'm not really that, I don't really get into the oldies like that. It's like, I'm, Hey, call me simple or call me stupid. I don't care. I love the big blockbuster movies that make my room go boom. That's just what I enjoy. I love the tech and I love the movies that take advantage of the tech that I have. Doesn't mean I can't sit down and enjoy Lawrence of Arabia and the cinematography. And by the way, has pretty decent Atmos track too, which we'll talk about on Friday. Um, but yeah, it, there, I can't wait to see Casablanca in black and white. Um, watching, um, like I said, I'm, I'm likening that to psycho in the black and white. Uh, there's a lot going on there and it, there's a lot to, to get out of these older movies. Like John and I did, I, we both watched Dracula in 4k from 1931. I watched Wolfman and it's fun watching that, but that's not something I do on a regular basis, but it is fun going back and actually having a room like this to enhance that and be able to see it and like, Maybe this is what it was like way, way back when, when they went into the art house rooms and, and watched these films. Um, it, so it's fun like that, but it is, it is a debate, but it's a debate worth having and it's a fun debate. So, all right, let's see what else we've got here. Graham saying, uh, I've got good news. I'm only 10 minutes in, but National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation looks great in 4K. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it does. I haven't watched it myself yet. Uh, I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm, I kind of wait because I go like crazy with Christmas um, starting the Sunday before Thanksgiving. But once I do, it's all Christmas all the time. So I'm trying to wait as much as possible. So so I don't get burnt out because uh, I really, really enjoy it. And it's that one month a year where you just get to go nuts and be extravagant and be Clark Griswold for a month and and no joke, you come into my house and everybody's like, oh crap, Clark's back. Um, we leave our Christmas cards up year round. You send me a Christmas card, it sits up, but we have a beam that goes across the living room. They're up year round. They don't come down till we get the first Christmas card from this year. So I love Christmas. Uh, and I love Die Hard. Thought I'd get that in there, John. Uh, Graham also says, I've been in the discussion in the in this discussion many times, and I've always come down to this. Do you feel the same the first time you watched it and how many times you can rewatch the movie is a great gauge. Uh, I, Graham, I got, let me, let me push back on that one. Not necessarily a good gauge of a great, great movie. Um, and you're probably going to, oh, I'm get a little fly in here. Um, you're going to think that this is funny. I'm going to go back to another one, but Schindler's List. That is a great movie. I don't want to see it again. I know what I, and I've seen it a few times, but it's like, it's one of those that, you know, going in that this is going to hurt. It is going to hurt. Um, just like, uh, all quiet on the Western front front that we talked about last week. Fantastic movie. It's real. rewatchability. Not so good. Really not so good because it's that good of a movie. Anything that hurts you like that, that pulls an emotion out of you in one way or another. Um, Spider-Man, no way home. You want to get up and cheer at times. That is, that's a fun scene in a great, in a great movie. I think it's a great movie. It, it's done so much for Spider-Man. It's done so much for, for MCU fans be like, all right, we finally got that. That's the Spider-Man movie to me, but that's my genre. I love that stuff. 
but that's an emotion to pull that out of you, to get you to want to stand up in your room. Rocky, another one, great movie, super rewatchable because you want to, spoilers, he loses at the end, but you still want to run down the streets of Philadelphia, streets of Philadelphia with, or Philadelphia with Tom Hanks, another movie don't really want to see again, but a great movie. So I, I get what you're saying, Graham. It makes sense. Um, and we all use that. I do that all the time with, with other genres, with other movies, like mm, how rewatchable is that? It's like Avengers, the first Avengers movie. I love that movie. It's super rewatchable. I watch it all the time, but that's more, I just, I don't know. That's me, but that doesn't mean I think it's better than Endgame, which isn't as rewatchable because it's three hours long. There are scenes in it that I love the end battle scene, um, that last 48 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it is, hour. I don't know. It's a long movie, but I'll go to those scenes. So it, it, there's a lot of factors that go into making a great movie for the individual. Right. But when, when that's one of the defining factors to me is a great movie is a great movie is that it's common ground. Um, I've never run across a person that'll argue with me that Schindler's List is a bad movie, right? So that gets into its, an echelon unto itself. Um, similar with The Godfather, um, but I have heard people say they didn't like it. Um, but there's, there, try to think of movies that people don't, that unanimously agree is a great movie. Um, it, it, you know, you think of like infinity war and Endgame. Marvel fans loved them, but most people will be like, ah, stupid movie, stupid MCU movie, co comic book movie. I don't need that. So it's not universal. Right. Um, I, I just, even star Wars, man, a lot of people didn't like that. A lot of people don't like it. A lot of people don't like sci-fi. A lot of people don't like entire genres. Like, I, I mean, I say I don't like horror, but there's a lot of horror movies I really like and that I think are great. So, um, yeah, it, it, individually, there's a lot of things that go into what we consider a great movie, but unanimously, I'm, I'm having a trouble, uh, maybe, uh, another one other, more rewatchable getting into Graham's point, more rewatchable would be, um, Shawshank Redemption because you get Shawshank. How do you not watch that? If you trip by it on the street, you might be standing in that window for a little while. It's just that much fun, that much of a great movie. I say fun, but there is some sad parts to it, but it's a great movie pretty much universally. Um, let's see. John, John's Johnny speakers saying, I think wizard of Oz, maybe, um, Wizard of Oz, I have heard people say they don't like it. I don't understand where they're coming from, but yes, I would put Wizard of Oz up there. Wizard of Oz was also like a, um, it's one of those where it, it like broke some boundaries. You have black and white into color. It was all of that fun stuff, but, um, and it is one we all grew up on, especially our generation, um, because it's so old, but it is, it is a great movie. I, that's probably a, a, another one that I would say is universal. Um, Let's see. Carl Dracula says Dracula with the Philip Glass score is the best criterion disc. Uh, I'm not familiar with that. Uh, let's see. Kronos Quartet from Carl. Don't know what that one. I feel the same way every time I watch it. Graham, uh, Graham says, not sure what, what he's referring to because this could be too 
something that I said earlier, but I'm not sure what. So sorry about that. Um, let's see. Carl says life is too short and there's too much content that we still are struggling to find time to watch. It is true. It is. It's so true. There's so much good content that when somebody recommends something to you, you like, you feel bad. It's like, oh, I'd love to sit. John and I do it all the time. John takes in way more content than I do. Um, I just have too many other things going on. Every time I try to simplify my life, I get more complicated. Um, but one of the constants is home theater. And that's where it won't go away for me because that's where I find my, um, my peace, my time. Uh, just going and putting Star Wars on is relaxing to me. Uh, so, and I think a lot of us feel that way too. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? But yes, there's so much good content. And it, and that's why we say you give it a, a two, three episodes. Once you get to that third episode of a, of a series, if it hasn't grabbed you, move on because something's going to grab you and you feel bad because somebody really liked it. And now you've just like, now you're going to have to say, I didn't like it. Like, I hate it when somebody highly recommends something to me and then I don't like it or I, you know, I'm like, huh, I, I see what they liked, but, and it's, and it, what's funny is that's how Steve and I first started talking. We were talking about Midway and it seems like we have differing opinions on a lot of stuff, but that's, what's fun. It's like, it's okay. That's fine. It's like, we have different opinions on movies. Who cares? We have different opinions on everything. People have different opinions. It doesn't matter. I mean, as long as you know what you like and you're happy in your own skin, that's cool. <laughs> it's like, I don't, I don't think I'm wrong because Steve thinks he's right about his thing. And I think I'm right about my thing. It's, it's me. It's my world. I'm living in my world. Steve's living in his world. I'm happy. He's happy. Uh, and I'm happy that he's happy. We all happy. <laughs> all right. Let me see if I can catch up here. This is really yeah, getting going. Uh, let's see what Graham, I feel the same. What else do we got? Life is too short. Yep. That's where we were. Wizard of Oz commented on that. I totally agree. Um, I've, uh, Carl says I've, he hasn't seen Shawshank so much to, yeah, but you gotta take in Shawshank. It's, it's kind of, then you'll understand what Shawshank means. It's, and Carl, to be honest with you, I think Shawshank is like right up your alley. It's a thinking man's movie. Uh, I think you would really enjoy it. It's very heartfelt. Um, it, it's very moving, uh, great movie. It is an absolutely great movie. Um, it's yeah, Carl, my dad would play wizard of Oz once a year. So would mine. It was on TV. Um, I, I would watch it. We would get to stay up and watch it when it was on TV. Um, loved it. And it, that was the treat. They made popcorn. We did the jiffy pop popcorn, uh, and just standing in front of in front of the stove watching that popcorn pop um in the smell and being like this and and what did we say when we were in when i say we i'm thinking probably most of the people listening to this but also me and my brother and sisters we'd be like it smells like we're at the movies and you you got to sit and now here comes disney and uh, no, i'm sorry disney here comes wizard of oz and we were going to get to stay up i think it started at seven and ended at probably 9 30 or whatever 10 o'clock at night but we, we knew we were going to get to stay up and watch Wizard of Oz. And it was a big treat. Uh, it was also a way to get us behave, to behave. Because if we misbehave in the weeks leading up to it, you'd get grounded and wouldn't be able to see it. So it was a little tease there. But um, I don't think I ever missed Wizard of Oz. Um, Sound of Music was another one 
another great movie, but A Sound of Music was one my mom and dad let me stay up and watch every year. We watched that. Uh, Ten Commandments, I got to stay up and watch. Um, uh, the uh, Towering Inferno. Talk about taking a hard left after Ten Commandments, huh? Towering Inferno, I got to stay up and watch. And that one was really special for me because... I was the oldest of the four kids and they actually came and got me and I got to see that. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, and it's, and, and that's one of those things that those will be great movies forever. That's why I think wizard of Oz is up there. Uh, it is a great movie, but I think there's an entire generation that it just, just pulls at your heartstrings because of your youth and your parents sitting and watching it with you. And those are all great times, right? So, that's part of why. And then now we get to recreate it in our theaters and be like, oh, this is what it must have been like to see it in the theater way back when. So uh, Graham says, DJ, what's your next upgrades? 1,000 and up. 1,000, 2,000. Two, oh, 1,000 to 200. And 200 and under. Um, Let's see. I don't know. I think uh, I, got a, I got a fun tweak that I just did. Um, and that'll come out on Friday. So I'll save that one, but that's a tweak. That wasn't an upgrade. It didn't cost me anything, but it's fantastic. I love it. Um, I would say, all right, what I'm looking, what I'm shopping for right now is I'm actually shopping to upgrade my Lumagen. Um, John and I have talked about it in the show. Um, John's thinking of getting a Lumagen, but I'm actually thinking of getting a Lumagen with the either 444 or the new 5386 or whatever it is, the newer one, but I want more outputs and inputs um, so that I can have, I can utilize it differently. Um, I, I think I'll, I'll tell you here, the studio, that's my next biggest upgrade for home theater is the studio is getting a complete revamping. Um, looking forward to that. That's going to cost probably all things done, I'm looking at about $1,500. So that would be in the $1,000 and over to redo the studio um, for more fun. It's going to help. It's going to be more interactive uh, and enable me to my editing workflow as going, you know, going back to earlier in the podcast, my workflow, it should improve with the new studio. Um, and I should be able to, um, I'm hoping, and this would the, this is where the Lumagen would come in handy, um, a new Lumagen would come in handy, would be able to move content into the studio as well as in my theater. So I could separate, have multiple inputs that way. Um, I could still do it without the Lumagen. I would just have to put everything back into the Marantz and use, you know, one, one output to the projector and then another output to the, to the studio. So, um, I could do that, but the Lumagen would be smoother and, and better. So that's another one that I'm looking at. That might be in a, I'm hoping to try and do that for a thousand dollars because if I find a four, four, four for like, and then I'll sell John my Lumagen for a thousand less if he's interested. Um, but that's, that's not, doesn't have to be done. That's not really going to improve my theater experience because it's a sideward step. Literally it's more, more about this. Um, I would say as far as upgrading my theater experience, I think it would be my speakers. Um, that's going to probably be my next upgrade. 
because I want to do that with the, um, with the room that I'm in. All right. So I know my room. I know my speakers. Um, I'm thinking I might try the SVSs to start. Um, and I may end there because I'm not one to, to shop and, and go like, all right, now let me try this and this. And I mean, I have a budget. Um, if, if I had to, you know, if I had a bigger budget, I'd go bigger, but I don't. And I think SVS might just fall right into that actually being an upgrade from things I've read. And I've said it on the podcast before I'm starting to see or read that SVS is slightly brighter than NHT. They're still considered a neutral speaker, but they're slightly brighter. And I might like that. Um, if I get them and they're literally the same, I probably wouldn't do it i because pro- i've always assumed uh from all the descriptions i've heard of svs speakers that svs is pretty much like a sideward step from an nht and an NH- nht speaker is a quality speaker in my opinion i've loved them for years uh i haven't really experienced much outside of my room that i would say would be that much better that i'm like oh i have to have that um but i do know i need more speakers so that's, that's about the only reason I would be doing this as an upgrade is because when I leave this house, I'm going to need speakers in my new theater. There's two things I need home theater wise. Well, three things. I need a screen because my screen, this screen isn't coming with me. I need a projector because this projector isn't coming with me and I need speakers. Everything else is coming with me. Um, I've gone to separates, so my son will get my old Denon. Uh, he can have these speakers and I just leave this behind. Um, I'm taking the Lumigen with me. Uh, he's going to go back to, you know, the hard life of just a 4k projector. Uh, so, um, so yeah, so speakers in this room, in a room that I'm knowledgeable in will allow me to get the most out of my testing process because I'll be able to actually hear and calibrate to this room and know a difference. If I waited and I moved to the the, um, the new room and I put in new speakers, I don't really have a working knowledge of how that room sounds. What are the dynamics of the room? What is, is this better? Am I just excited? Cause I'm in a new room who knows? So I think I get a better option, a better, uh, perception of, of change if I do it in this room here and then put the, if I like them, I'll keep them in place. And then when I leave, I'll just swap the NHTs back in similar to what I'm going to do with the receiver. Right. So, um, Carl says, uh, a JVC projector. I don't think I would, I would do a JVC. I don't need to do a projector now. I don't think adding a projector into this room, um, whatever I get is going to be an upgrade in the new theater and the new room is probably going to have a bigger screen. I'm hoping to be able to do a bigger screen, a bigger, you know, larger experience there. So I'm going to be getting a new projector anyways. I'll be getting probably the same screen I have now, just larger, the Stuart, uh, studio tech 100. Um, and that's, that's what I'm going to go with. So I just, I know like that there is, that's not really room. Um, sound is more dependent on the room than the picture is, right? So I can just upgrade that and the technology in, in the projectors. By the time I get this room, I'm hoping to be doing this in a year. 
But if it gets delayed, who knows what's going to come out in the next year? Look at what they've done, what both JVC, Sony, Epson, look at what they've all done in the last year alone. So who knows where we're going to be a year from now, right? So I don't know. So I think that for me is a smarter a smarter thing to concentrate on is is speakers which really don't change much. So if I can if I can work those in and figure out what I'm taking with me um then I I I and Carl I I Carl saying focal in walls and I love those and I love your description of them. I I've been following along your your um testing and your your trips off to see, you know, to see and hear everything, uh, listening to you, to your descriptions through AV rant and stuff. I'll, obviously I get your emails as well. Um, but I love, I, I think I really would like them, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's the, the money where I want to put my money at this time. Um, the money that it would take for those Focal in walls, I think it would be a good investment. Um, but with where I'm building a house, um, supporting my parents, I don't have that. Um, so I think, and I don't, I, I mean, I'm sure they are an upgrade over an SVS, but I, I don't know if it's it to, at this time, unless I hit the lottery, I don't think that, that is, is where I can focus some money, focus some money right now. So that's why I'm kind of looking at the SVS. Um, they're more manageable money, you know, budget wise, they fall right into kind of where the NHTs are price wise. Um, and, uh, I love the company too. And don't let, I love people and I love, and, you know, I don't sell SVS. I sell people. I love the people. I love talking to them. Uh, have loved dealing with them over the years. Uh, I had a, uh, subwoofer issue, uh, through no fault of SVS. It was actually me. I ended up ruining my, I blew the amp in my sub, um, with a, a plug-in issue on my end and they were great and they supported me. They replaced it, everything. So, that was before I even knew them before I met them. And that's what made me want to get to meet them. And, and because of the podcast, I was able to get to meet them. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's where my line of thinking is right now. I'm trying to think of some other speakers that are kind of in that price range that I would like to, to maybe hear. Um, but I'm not interested. Honestly, I'm not into like a horn loaded. I'm not into a clips. I'm not into anything like that. Too bright, too, uh, just not something I'm looking for. I'm looking for, for clarity and consistency and, um, and clean. And, uh, I think that's that great question, Graham, that that's probably my next upgrade in my room. Uh, whenever I get the bug to actually sit down and do it is when I'll do it. Uh, because that's a project into itself True. Uh, I still, I have to pull my speakers up, put these speakers in. It's not hard, but then recalibrate the room, then listen to a bunch of content Lots of fun. I'm actually getting goosebumps thinking about it right now. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, Carl let's, would say JVC frame by... John say, would you say it is over JVC frame by frame? Um, next upgrade is Mad... Carl Ritchie... Uh, no, I don't need Mad VR. Mad VR is a sideward step from a Lumigen. Um Graham says, my dad let me watch Alien when I was too young. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, Graham, did that ruin it for you? Or now are you just like a horror fan? Because I have a friend that was the same way. And he got to watch horror movies really young. And I think Steve is like this as well. Got to watch them really young, but then grew to love them. Um, 
Uh, let's see. John John says, Carl, question for you regarding your Mad TV. What percentage of an upgrade for you? Um, so because Carl got a um, a, a Mad VR and he's he's absolutely loving it. Um, if I could if I could speak for Carl for a second until I see what he's, if he says anything in here. His biggest uh, impression, what the biggest upgrade for him was streaming. All of the streaming content, it just goes up to like, you just see, that's where the, the most improvement can be made. And the way, like, cause it, it does the same thing for me. That's why I got my Lumigen is because streaming was being so compressed and looking so horrible. Well, what these, what these video processor are doing is they're up converting this for you and you're getting as close to, I mean, you're still getting a difference between a physical and a, um, in a stream, but I'd be willing to bet that if you went to Carl's house, watch something on the mad VR streaming, and then went home and put it on physical in your house without a mad VR, you'd be like, these kind of look almost the same. Whereas where you can a B in your house. Okay. Now the physical is getting an uptick as well with the mad VR, but just not as much of an uptick as what the capabilities of these processors can do to a stream. It, it's really good. Um, you know what I would like to touch on that hasn't been brought up here, but I would like to touch on it. Speaking of video processors, um, we talk about them a lot on the podcast because I happen to own one and I've had mine for a year. Carl just got his, uh, mad VR did a big press thing at, at Cedia and it was huge and everybody seems to be the buzz right now. Um, and, and I love mine, but they're not necessary. And I've, I've, I've said that many, many times in this podcast, they are not necessary. Um, if you're enjoying your system and I said this to John a few weeks ago, he's enjoying his system, but John gets FOMO like we all do. I do too. It's, but it's different. It's like you're, you, you want to get to that next level. It's not a fear of missing out. It's, I, I don't think we get FOMO. We need to come up with a term for it. It's, um, it's like, you just want the next step right? And it's like, it, it's kind of like a shark. It's like, if you're not moving, then you're dead. And if you're not moving forward in home theater, you feel like you're not in home theater. So it's kind of like just, we've most, everybody listening to me right now, we've never gotten to a point and said, we're done. That's it. Never upgrading a thing again. I mean, if I ran out of things, I'd probably upgrade my speaker wire just to a different color. Cause that's what I want. I just want, I want to do something. So it's, it's not FOMO so much as it is. I just want the next step. And I think that's where John is right now. But John, why John's having a hard time is he's like, do I do a kaleidoscape? Do I do a Lumigen? I see the benefits in both, but he doesn't watch movies like I do. So he won't get the, he won't be able to pull out of a kaleidoscape what I can pull out of it. Right. The experience doesn't really change much for him. Like, yes, he can jump to a different movie, but is it really worth all of that money over putting a disc in? And I've honestly, I've, I would say no, but if you can, if you can justify it and then you can do it, I don't think you would be disappointed because you have justified it. Right. Well, the Lumigen is much the same way. And it's like, he's not seeing a problem in his system. He knows there's better out there. This is just a means to an end. But it's consistently through his system, his streams look good. His movies look good. Everything looks good. He's enjoying his system a lot. He just wants to try and get a little bit better. That's where the Lumigen, you don't need it. If you're enjoying your system, just enjoy your system. 
But where people come back and say, but you don't need it. You're right. You don't need it. I will never argue with somebody that says you don't need a Lumigen. But I also won't argue with somebody that says they are a good upgrade. There is a benefit to, to having a video processor in your system because there is an upgrade there. Um, one of the upgrades, like I said, that Carl sees is consistency throughout your system. It takes your system and it makes it like super consistent. Your image quality gets closer to being consistent regardless of what you put in it. Um, doesn't do much for the sound, although some, some reports are saying that these systems actually improve the sound as well. I don't really see that. Maybe it's because my, my system isn't capable of, of, of hearing it. Um, but I do see the difference in picture quality. Um, so I'll give you my, if for people that don't know, my scenario is when I was shopping for a Lumigen, I didn't know I was shopping for a Lumigen. I was just shopping to improve foundation, the, the show foundation on Apple TV. Um, I was getting tons of crushing going on and it was wrong <laughs> pun intended. It was crushing me. I, I was enjoying the show so much and they had such great HDR that when they went to some of these really dark scenes, it was, it was just being blocky and, and being crushed. And I had experienced it in WandaVision and in Loki and in other things, but it was brief and I was able to live with it. Um, it was never happening on my Panasonic because my Panasonic had the HDMI and HDR enhancer. And with the HDR enhancer on, it compressed everything so that it wouldn't go too high or too low. And it would, it would send out a signal that my projector could handle. So then my projector could put out the best possible image from that disc. Running the Zapiti, there were times where I was getting some blocking going on when you get into some darker scenes. Like um, one of the test scenes that I use is uh, New Mutants. Uh, the opening scene to that when in the New Mutants, when she goes inside the tree, would get all blocky because it was a really dark scene that went even darker and then it would get blocky. But because it was going through the Zapiti and the Zapiti was putting out 100%, it wasn't being, it wasn't being HD, HDR enhanced like the Panasonic. So you would get some crushing. Uh, the opening scene in the first Harry Potter movie, when you have the lanterns and stuff, that would start all blocky. So what I was trying to do is I was trying to get rid of that. Now, is it possible to take care of that with a JVC and its tone mapping? Yes. From, I, from what I understand, the tone mapping in JVC will smooth a lot of that out. And it, and it, does, and it helps. So that was one of the options. Had many, many conversations with Rob H. about that. He wanted me to go JVC route. And I was like, okay, and I can, I did consider it, but then, uh, talking to my guy and looking at, okay, one, he's, you don't want to do JVC. You would be better served doing this. And I was like, well, if I go JVC, I could sell my projector and then it would cost me this much. Cause I would upgrade. It would cost me the same as getting a Lumigen anyways. Well, why don't I just do the Lumigen? And then what he was saying, and I've said many times when he installed the Lumigen, I'm like, what's my next upgrade? And he's like, nothing. You're done for years because any upgrade from here is, would be considered a sideways step. Um, and that was a year ago. So when we've had new projectors come on, I call him like, what do you think of these? And he's like, mm, no, just wait. You'll be fine. You, it would be, the Lumigen is doing its job. These video processes are doing their job. 
And now I have a video processor in my system. So in my next projector will get the benefits of a video processor. And as long as these video processors are viable, um, I will have that benefit, right? Um, they will be obsolete someday, I'm sure. No problem. Just like the Ferruja video processors became obsolete someday. Uh, and, you know, that's just the way it goes. But for now, I'm getting the best possible image that I can get. And that was brought about because I saw flaws that I wanted to take care of. If you don't see flaws that you want to take care of, you probably wouldn't even see the benefit of a Lumigen because you're not seeing any, you, you, you'd have to see the flaws to know what the improvements were. Right. So that's why I agree with anybody that says AV rant, you don't need one. They were funny back and forth. Cause I agree with both of them. Um, poor Rob was trying to like couch Tom a little bit, but it, it was great conversation, but they're both, they're absolutely right. I agree with them a hundred percent. You don't need one, but there is an improvement there. So, um, let's see what else we got a lot of conversations going on in here. Uh, wow. Carl talking about interest rates. Okay. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, let's see. Carl says cool. SVS is probably our four in wall sub option. Um, you might want to look into that. I'm trying to find out how low those go. Um, I'm not sure they go as low as what their standalones do. Um, and I'm, I'm waiting to find out the numbers on that, but I, I was, I'm interested in those as well, Carl, uh, lots of Star Graham Cole, lots of star Wars. Um, Carl, not really digging any other in wall subs. Yeah. The problem with in wall subs is much like you get with a regular, uh, with putting subs on the speakers is you're, you're kind of stuck with putting them in those locations in the wall where they are. Whereas a regular, where a, a freestanding sub, you can actually move to get the best possible sound in walls. You're stuck. And if you don't get the response you want and you've installed them in the walls, kind of screwed. Um, lots of star Wars. No, it helped everything. My dad, uh, Oh, Carl, my dad took us to the exorcist in Amityville horror. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's see what else. Carl says, yes, for us, adding mad VR was a large step up for the NX seven. Yes, that's right too. I didn't mention that Carl has an NX seven, which is a great projector on all by itself. I had a lot of people telling me to get the NX seven. That's what I would have upgraded to instead of getting a Lumigen at the time. That's what was available. And for me to upgrade to that would have been the same cost as a Lumigen because when you sell off my Sony, the difference would have been the cost I paid for my Lumigen. Um, I was able to get, and you can search the internet. I was able to get my Lumigen for like $4,000. Um, and I, that was, you know, I was like, okay, I can do that. I'll do that for, and, and I was honestly blown away by the, um, by the difference. And I, like I said, I got emotional <laughs> sitting there with Jim and I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, this is amazing. And, uh, oh, and another thing on that, to the difference between streaming and physical is we put in a bunch of discs and that's what we looked at first with the Lumigen. And he's like, look at that. It was like, um, Blade Runner 2049, uh, that looked phenomenal. Our Star Trek into the darkness that looked phenomenal. All these, I put on uh, the scene from Avengers when the, the cliff scene, when, um, when they're up on the cliff, when Loki and Thor are up there and it's very dark scene, I put that on. 
They looked spectacular, but they had looked pretty damn good before. But then when I put on some streaming stuff and I went to that scene in Loki and I went to that scene in, in, um, in foundation. And I that's when I started to be like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And Jim had never seen it before. And he was saying that these scenes are amazing. And he's like, look at the little fires and foundation that were going across this courtyard area. It's a dark dusk nighttime scene, similar to what we had in, um, uh, house of the dragon and, and the, uh, those dark scenes on the beach. Um, it r- really was, you know, really testing the system and something I hadn't seen before. And then we went to another scene and I was like that, all of the detail that I saw was never there before. It was all, wasn't coming through on my stream. My system wasn't able to handle it. And it was a, a big, big difference. Um, Carl says, it'll be interesting to see how the NZ eight looks. I wouldn't be surprised, Carl, if it would, if it's not as big of an upgrade as when you added the mad VR in, I think you might see an upgrade, maybe some, some more consistent brightness because it's a laser, um, over the bulb depends on how old your bulb is when you upgrade to the laser as well. Um, I would imagine that what that mad VR is doing for Carl right now with the NX seven is probably, probably bringing it very close to what's capable in an NZ eight. And then, so when you add the NZ eight in, maybe you get some, a better brightness, maybe slightly better contrast ratio, but that would be slightly better compared to what you're already experiencing. And it's amazing what these video processors do for your contrast ratio too. It's, it really is because you're able to put this really dark scene, dark image right next to a really bright image because of the, uh, the powerful tone mapping that they can do that is more powerful than what is in any projector or television that has tone mapping too. Um, and that's, that's bearing out. I didn't think it was capable on, on like an OLED display, but from the reports I'm getting from, from man, I trust a lot. And that, that <laughs> it's, you know, that it, Todd says, he's like, even on these, these, uh, OLED displays, there's a benefit there to these video processors. But again, I can't stress enough. If you're not, if you don't see a problem, don't go searching for one. Um, but all right, let's see. What else do we have, John? I've, I've seen the NZ eight along the NX seven. No way. It's oh, along. He says, John says, I've seen the NZ eight along an NX seven. No way it's worth the $6,000 upgrade in, in his opinion. Um, I would, I, I would say that. And it's like, just like when I had, um, what's his name? Um, um, oh, I forget his name. I call him Steve. (laughs) When I had him on the show and he, he's looking, um, now I'm laughing at so funny. John Brock for people that aren't initiated. (laughs) Um, so when John was on the show, he was actually considering upgrading from an NZ eight to an NZ nine. And I told him no. And I was like, I don't think you would see the money there is. And that's like a $8,000 difference, or maybe it might even be almost $10,000 difference. I don't think you would see the difference because you're really just getting more brightness, which you're going to have to dial back because you got to be careful when shopping for these things. And a lot of people think like, and here I am giving advice, but 
on, on, on equipment, but people forget like brightness is, is all relative to the distant, the throw distances, uh, the size of the screen, all of that stuff. And it's like, if you're putting your projector pretty close and most of our rooms are pretty close and they're relatively small screens for projector wise, that is if you're under 150 or around 150 and you're in an 18 foot room or something like that, or even 20 feet, an NZ eight to an NZ nine is probably no different because you're going to, the, the extra brightness you're going to get, you're going to dial that back in calibration because you don't want it too bright. You don't want to be blowing out your whites. Um, so that's, you know, and that's the stuff that, you know, a lot of people don't consider and it's like, but people are so afraid of missing out. You're like, Oh, but I want to get the best possible. Same with your color. Um, you know, 709 to, to 2020 more important as are your black levels correct underneath to give you the vibrancy that you're looking for, because the color that you're missing from 709 to 2020, the actual color the, the bandwidth of color that you're missing is so small that you're not going to be able to tell, like, especially going from one to another, it's like, well, that red is a little bit more saturated to the darker that that's the 709 spectrum can't pick up. But at the same time, if your black levels underneath are correct and you've got great contrast, that vibrancy in those rainbow scenes that you're going to see or anything like that, that's going to really enhance your experience that you're going to be, you're going to think you're seeing 2020 and I've seen projectors that are doing 709, 1080p with a Lumigen in line, and you'd think it was 4K. And it's a 4K image going through the 4K HDR image. And I'm telling you, you wouldn't notice the difference. You would not know if I walked you into that room. You'd think it was the same 4K image that you saw of Blade Runner 2049. You would, it's no doubt. And it's funny when people look at it and go, oh, the 4K gets more clarity, it gets this it's all processing and putting one of these processors in line. Um, that's one of the things I'd love to have Tom back on and tell him don't do that. He would have, but you would have to, one of the reasons he hasn't upgraded to a 4k is because of the HDMI cable that he would have to run. You had a video processor in line. You're going to have to run a video cable because a powerful one, because it sends so, so much information. So, um, yeah. Anyways, let's see what else do we got? Especially you get it. Yeah. Now you can get John saying you can get a used NX seven for about five K nowadays. Yes, you can. Uh, let's see. But everyone tells me the NZ eight with the mad VR looks better. Eh, the NZ nine demo room here was pretty crazy. NZ nine looks better than what we have at home. Um, a lot goes in there and it's like, that's the thing. It's like when you go someplace else and experience it, Carl's done a lot of this. When you go to another room and experience something, it's you really can't experience something until it's in your room because the room plays a part in it a little bit, even with video, the screen that they're using. Are they using a video processor in line? Do you have that same settings? Do you have this? They, I mean, a lot of these rooms, they're set up by salesmen and that's what it's about. So keep, I, I always keep that in mind and I, and just keep in mind on what you're going to see and hear in your own room. That's the only um, the barometer that I go by. Uh, it's good. It's going and seeing it and experience it to me is only slightly better than the demos you see on YouTube. 
because on YouTube, they'll give you two examples and you can see that there's a difference there, but you're watching it through your phone, through that camera, but you're seeing a difference. So you know what, and you, you, you have to trust the person on the other end, but you know what you're seeing a difference when you go and see it in person. Well, now you're probably going to see whatever they're trying to sell you or whatever image, you know, that they want you to see. And you're going to be like, okay, but how will this play in my room with my content and my stuff? Um, that's really where you have to be. And, um, so yeah, that's where I, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, all right, we're getting close now to wrapping up. So I am going to wrap up from here because I got to get going. I got to get out. And before I get going on another topic that takes me over the time that I have allowed. So, um, thank you to everybody that's participating in the green room. This has been fun. You guys have been fantastic at testing me, um, giving me difficult questions or what you would perceive to be difficult. Um, and, um, and, and having fun with it. There is no real difficult questions when it comes to home theater. So let's just have fun with this. Anybody not following along in the green room, if you want to be part of the green room, you can either come on the show or you can be a Patreon supporter um, or buy a, a box of popcorn on the website. You can do that as well. Uh, and then you can get instant access to the green room. And it's just a great bunch of people sitting there just starting threads and having fun and talking home theater. And it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun, a lot of knowledgeable people, but more importantly, a lot of fun people that just the huge passion for home theater. So happy that we have it so excited. And, uh, thanks everybody that's already in there and everybody that's going to be coming on. I've got people lined up to come on the show, just got to work on the schedule. So this has been a takeover Tuesday where the listeners did take over, talk to listeners in the chat here uh maybe someday we'll be doing a live chat on youtube uh live to the general public but we'll see uh so everybody have a great week john and i'll be back on friday we're going to be talking lawrence of arabia and a whole bunch of other movies um lots of fun home theater talk thanks for participating in any way that you have uh, appreciate it and we will see you on friday and until then go push play Hey Fred. This has been a Hey Fred production with theme music by Jeff Bernhardt and Throne Vault Productions.